Hello, welcome to iRock City. This is episode seven. Uh, you're with your host, Rocket Rasool, and today we're talking about unsung uh, hip-hop heroes of the East Coast, uh, primarily in the 80s and early 90s. As usual, I'm joined by my broadcast partner, and we do have a special guest. But before that, let's go to Imran from uh, Toronto. What's good? Same old, same old. I thought uh, maybe for this one, I would do another uh, radio introduction. Like when I used to live in Detroit, <laughs> we had uh, a radio station, and they would always say, strong songs, 102 jams, every hour, for the hour. <laughs> So I always, uh, I always like yeah. that. I always like that intro. I thought it was a funny intro. It wasn't funny. I guess it was more like, uh, you know, of that time. So yeah. yeah right. Thanks. Thanks again for introducing no, awesome. me. Um, so I'm joined by Karan. Karan, I've known Karan for ten years. Um, we met in Iraq. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. We met in Iraq, yeah. and um, we kind of got, yes. yeah, and um. You know, we kind of got uh, to know each other because of similar taste in music and movies. And go ahead, Karan. Uh, maybe you could add some more to that as well. Yeah, we that's the our main connection there is just the music and, and film. Um, I, you know, working in that world that we used to live in, you don't find a lot of people who are into those two things very specifically. Right. And yeah. at a high level. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was great to find somebody who was into it as much as I was uh, inhaling this this information, this, this culture um, in such like a desperate place um, as I was. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get started. So, uh, Imran, what are you uh, listening to nowadays? What's on your playlist? OK, so I think this is a question you had asked me while I was at work and you said, uh, and I said, hey, it's going to be a bit of a surprise. I'll let you know. So and so I early in the morning, I start my day off with like usually like smooth songs, you know, smooth jams. Um, initially, it was like uh, the, uh, you know, um, singer songwriter stuff. And so now I started with the Commodores and Lionel Richie. So that's what I've been listening to. Uh, oh, yeah, really awesome. classic stuff and yeah. um, enjoying that a lot. It's um, um you know, it was a transitional time, so they started like maybe in the mid '70s, late '70s, and the music itself was changing. Soul R&B was kind of changing. They were using a lot more like disco elements, uh, a lot more electronic elements. So, and but they still maintained a lot of the live elements as well. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I've always wanted to listen to it. Uh, always wanted to enjoy it, and this is a good way to start my day. Nice. So I guess next question is, what do you listen to at night? <laughs> if that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, the what I've been listening to is like uh, the same stuff with our subject matter, and yes. um, the, so the subject matter itself. I mean, I always the the podcasts I enjoy are is the musical uh, like musical genre or or say bands or um, uh, artists that I've never really paid much attention to, didn't really uh you know care for at, at all so this particular one that's all i've been listening to is like uh you know the these east coast rappers so that's what i've been li- like i would you know transition because you know these guys are hard epmd is hard you can't just start mm. your morning 7 30 a.m yeah. with epmd you gotta move you gotta <laughs> slowly move yourself into it right so yeah that that's what i've been listening to right now Awesome. And uh, yeah, I guess same question for Karan. Uh, what's uh, what's on your playlist nowadays? Wow. Uh, <laughs> kind of a mix of things. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of, I always go back yeah. to old jungle, old school jungle. It's just weird. Man. I'm sitting here thinking as you're, as as we're running this down, um, Shy Effects, Ronnie Size, 
you know, just a lot of stuff like that. Uh, Sound of the Future, yeah. like really, really kind of old stuff. And also um, Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, they actually kind of released an album that was just kind mm-hmm. of a yeah. You're the Man. Yeah, so yeah. that's been obviously at the top of my list uh, for the last couple of days. Nice. Shafiq Hussein, he came up with a record too. So um, so between that and then going back to Old Jungle. Sounds awesome. Is Jungle uh, popular there in the U.S.? It is not. It is decidedly not. Okay. You know, it's not like a thing. You know, you kind of have to happen happen upon it. You know, it's not kind of a thing that uh, you just kind of know like a bunch of people who are in the jungle. No, that's not. That's not really right. a thing. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I guess that just leaves me. Um, yeah, I've gotten in a lot into electronic recently. So like Prodigy, Chemical Brothers, Fatboy Slim, Daft Punk, um, Trip Hop, so Portishead, Massive Attack, Tricky. Um, and then some bands like uh, Gorillaz and LCD Sound System, which kind of incorporate those um, elements along with hip hop in their music. Right. So yeah, it's pretty much. And of course, uh, the 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 surprise was ACDC, which I've always dissed, but now is like one of my favorite bands. It's just one of those things. <laughs> wow. Um, and I was looking up; they actually are the best-selling hard rock band ever. So that was kind of like a news to me. I didn't know they were that popular, but apparently they've sold like two hundred mm-hmm. million records. So. I guess it's just accessible hard rock. So um, um, I have a question for both of you. So I'll start off with um, the guest, uh, Karan. So I did get a chance to listen to, because you did post it on your um, Instagram, uh, Shafiq Hussain. And, you know, it, it was very interesting album. I really liked it. And, you know, it's reminiscent of a lot of the old school soul, soul R&B albums. Um, what, uh, so tell me, what was your thought about it? Because you, you've been hyping this album for a minute now, right? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I think I made one or two, po- at least that one post, but I think maybe another post. Mm-hmm. But there's a guy that had an early single, and I think I, I want to say I reposted it, but mm-hmm. maybe I made, maybe I didn't. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Shippie. Right. Kusain. And would you agree that it's reminiscent of those old school style, uh, that old school R&B style? I would. Um, it's also, you know, he's kind of like one of those kind of really mm-hmm. earthy type guys. And um you know, very much rooted in a lot of, you know, sort of the right. spiritual funk sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so, you know, as you can tell with, you know, the mm-hmm. Coltrane and Hiatus Coyote, the people who are on the actual yeah. album, Erykah Badu, you know, Bilal, oh, he's kind of with a certain set of mm-hmm. kind of this alternative art. Correct, correct. Um, and uh, now moving on to you, Emmett. Um, now, you've been going back into these kind of um, – electronic albums like you're going deep into it you've gotten um you know uh, i would say from like the late 90s all the way to the o's any standout tracks any standout uh, artists in your opinion uh yeah so just a little history of how this happened uh, obviously um the lead singer prodigy passed away recently uh so one of my friends made a prodigy um like a playlist like a best of prodigy on spotify send it to me and I listened to it and I always liked Prodigy mm-hmm. in the nineties, you know, right. casually of course. And, um, and I thought, who else sounds like Prodigy? And then I tried to, mm-hmm. I looked up the big beat genre and got into chemical brothers quite a lot. Um, so you're talking about tracks and stuff. I okay. really like their stuff with Q-tip. So go and galvanize. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really good kind of like partnership and unique right. sound. Uh, and obviously Prodigy, uh, and, and Daft Punk was like something right. that I really got into recently. Um, so that's how it kind of manifested from like, you know, mm-hmm. Keith Flint's death and then, you know, really looking into the kind of like a genre I missed. Um, 
almost completely, and which is you know, <laughs> embarrassing because I live in England. So, <laughs> but um, that kind of led me to trip hop, uh, which is like mm-hmm. I felt like the slowed down version of the same music. So, right. Massive Attack and Co. So, right. yeah, that, that's how it kind of happened. Uh, unexpected, but I'm happy I found all yeah. the bands. Especially Massive Attack and their first album, um, I thought was incredibly influential. Yeah. I like uh, Mizane okay. quite a lot. Okay. Mizane, with Teardrop and Angel. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. But all of this stuff is good. Yeah, it's all good. Cool. Uh, and yeah, so uh, should we move on to. Yeah, let's move on to it. Let's. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, we'll start with, um, you know, one of the first ones uh, was Ultramagnetic MCs. Um, so I'll sound off my opinions, first of all, and I'll uh, get both of you guys' opinions. Uh, so obviously, for me, the favorite album was Critical Beatdown, and specifically the song A Chorus Line. Um, and the thing about these guys were, like, I fell in love with that old-style bravado rapping, you know, I'm better than you, I'm the best MC. Uh, I'm the most illness, most machinist. And then, you know, and it reminded me a lot of like Boogie Down Productions, which was a hip hop group that came a little bit before them. And you can definitely see how they were so similar in style. Um, what about you, Ahmed? Uh, what did you think of Ultramagnetic uh, MCs? To be honest, man, I felt this one was a little bit dated for me. Um, I missed it completely okay. in the 90s. Um, but I did yeah. like a few tracks like Eagle Tripping, Critical Beatdown, um, Give the Drummer Some, mm-hmm. some uh, Watch Me Now. You know, So uh, I liked a few tracks, but it was just a little bit dated for me. Um, and because I don't have right. that uh, connection with it growing up, like it was brand new, um, right, right. it didn't really do it uh, for me as much as some of the other artists we're talking about. So. Right, right. Uh, Karan, and what did, you, what did you think about this? Well, I mean, as somebody, you know, raised, you know, here in the States, you know, where it came out, it was, I understand the kind of having the connection or not having the connection. Um, That's Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, I mean, you have to think at the time when it came out, it was such kind of a, uh, an innovative rap, specifically Mm -hmm. um, Cool Keith. Right. Like he kind of had this style that was like, you know, you could kind of see, okay, this is where. If, if rap was sort of this sort of a uh, progressive model, you know, he's he's his rhyme style in this record is along the kind of this progression. Mm-hmm. Um, he is not obviously the peak of that progression, but you can see a lot of that style. It's, it's very interesting to hear him here mm-hmm. and then uh, hear him like 10 years later. Yeah. And he has this kind of wholly different style and topical matter. Um, it's really weird <laughs> when I listen to like ultra magnetic and, you know, like Dr. Um, Dr. Yeah, Gynecologist. Yeah. It's just so, so weird. So yeah. weird. But yeah, I, I still enjoy yeah. it. I still enjoy it. It's still yeah. funny. Um, and uh, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I should have, uh, before we got into the subject matter, I should have went back and said, why are we covering this topic and what's going on? Um, so, yeah, I'm so sorry. I apologize. So I'll get to that and I'll add more back to it. For, first and foremost, this topic is being covered because there, this was the tail end of the golden era of hip hop. So we're about ready to get into like, uh, especially in the East Coast, we're getting ready into the 19, 1990s where, you know, um, Biggie Smalls is about to blow up. Nas is about to blow up. Jay-Z is about to blow up. Um, Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang is about to blow up. So 
these guys, so uh, this is, these are the precursors to these guys. And, um, and then oft times we forget that, oh, you know what? These guys set the stone. A lot of these MCs that were, that made these albums, they were a direct influence to all these famous rap stars that we knew. Um, and going back again, so and even further, like me and Ahmed's connection to it, because we grew up in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And at that time, we had only heard of the major artists, like, you know, Biggie Smalls. We had only heard of um, Wu-Tang. We'd only heard of Nas. We didn't hear about these guys. So when I had moved to Canada, um, and I'd gotten into, because I think it's the way hip-hop is consumed in Canada and and how it's consumed in the United States. And there is a difference. And what happened was when we came here, yes. we got into underground hip hop. And I, and you know, like the same time me and Ahmed had kept communication and I kept telling Ahmed, Hey man, check out this, check out, you know, black star. Hey man, check out this, this, and Ahmed was checking out those, that stuff. And then he was also, as we get in more into this, he had uh, listened to a lot of these other artists that, you know, I had the first time of listening to. So and that was the whole thing that, you know, hey, we got to put a little shine on these guys, you know, because they were they were the um, they were the foundation that set the East Coast uh, rappers. And that's how we got into this. So for sure. For sure. Um, like, yeah. So again, like uh, and then now adding back to what you said, Quran, and you're absolutely right. Like that was one thing that I did yeah. have to point out that listening to Dr. Octagon and um, and that was produced by Dan the Automator. Yes. And uh, yes, you're absolutely right. Like that, it was just a, it was such a flip side to it. Like I think that album, if you listen to contemporary Cool Keith, that album set the persona as opposed to his work with Ultramagnetic MCs. Right, right. It's a whole. It's like almost like he has, he's had two different careers. Yes, you know, it's not the linear. Like his linear, it's not at all. It's almost like well, I was in, I was a New York rapper. Mm -hmm. with under you know with ultra magnetic and then he moved to la and then he was this whole other rapper i don't think i've really seen that before in another artist mm -hmm. um he's a like no i don't think anybody like who knows him as dr octagon or these other personas mm -hmm. they don't even know how important critical beatdown even was the most the, the majority of them yes um so yeah i mean we're talking about a guy who helped set the precedent for east coast golden age rap music and also on you know 10 years later a a beacon a pioneer in like west coast the weird alternative rap music it's it's quite a career yes i had no idea about this second second part of his career at all so this is really interesting yeah it's 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 very odd it's it is a unusual development to say the least yeah um uh i don't know uh Ahmed, if you're familiar with delta funky homo sapien no i'm not man to be honest with you the, uh, you know what if once once you're done like that would probably because i was really into like dandy automator right so he had produced cool keats album and also yeah. delta funky homo sapiens deltron 3030 and you can see there, there's a lot of similarities in both albums as far as uh, creating a strange persona, you know, uh, one is a concept album about the future. Another is a concept album about a strange doctor. So, you know, both of them are fantastic yeah. listening. So if you get a chance, definitely. And because you were, you, you listened to the first Gorillaz album, right? 
Uh, yeah, I've listened to all of them actually recently. Yeah. So, so the first Gorilla album is done by Dan the Automator. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I de- definitely suggest checking out both of those albums. Uh, just checking out like both uh, both artists' uh, sound and and like Karan had mentioned, like his development. Yeah, for sure. I will definitely do that. Um, yeah. Uh, now moving on to EPMD. Um, so I'm going to start off by saying like, I completely missed this. I like throughout the nineties, never saw them, never heard of them. Uh, latter part of the nineties. I mean, once I moved to Canada, somebody had mentioned it, never got, never had the chance to buy an album, not even the best of albums. Now that I got had you know, access to like iTunes and you could, you know, stream any songs. And that's how I got into it. And I was like, Whoa, these and again, like researching again, I was like, "Whoa, these guys are freaking amazing, man!" I did, I can't believe I missed them again. And um, you know, the first three albums, they just they blew my mind. I was like, "What? What? What is this?" So it was a lot of fun for me. Actually, a lot of fun. For me. Yeah, it was serious business as the EPMD. Would yeah, definitely serious business. And what would you what would yeah. you say about the the EPMD catalog? Yeah, for me, uh, I also kind of missed it. Um, but I did, uh, one of our mutual friends, uh, MD, uh, mm-hmm. back in Riyadh, he had their tapes and he had them in his uh, mixes. But I never really asked for the tapes or anything like that. So there was a little bit of like, okay, I know roughly who these guys are, but I never really listened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only around five years ago that I really got into uh, you know, their stuff. And uh, yeah, like you said, one of the best to come out at that time. And uh I think a huge influence in a lot of rappers. So, uh, and again, another band that's kind of like, you know, doesn't get its shine as much nowadays. Um, true, true, true. But yeah, I, I kind of uh, listened to everything they did and just picked a few tracks I liked. Um, and uh, yeah, I listened to those quite a lot. So like The Joint, You Got to Chill, So What You're Saying, mm-hmm. Strictly Business. And um, they had a really cool track with LL Cool J back in the day called Rampage. Yes, nice. yes. So, <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, so that was, that was pretty dope, man. They're, they're really good. Karan, uh, what what was your standout tracks and your a little bit of history from your standpoint, like how you were uh, how you got into it? Uh well, for me, I've you know again being here stateside, you know you have pretty much everything. All this is coming yes. at you at the same time, you know. So as far as I'm concerned, strictly business and unfinished, strictly business and unfinished business. That's can there that is rap canon. Yes. I don't think people, you know, those are two of the greatest rap records that there's ever been. Strictly Business, um, in my personal opinion, Strictly Business is probably a perfect rap record. It is one mm-hmm. of them. Um, it is absolutely spectacular. Um, I do agree that they're highly underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the other thing about, I think the you, you reach to a point to where you, why are these people not as... Um, you know, venerated as they um, they should be, you mm-hmm. know, as, as pioneers. But I think that the part of the piece of it uh, is a big piece of it is the actual production itself. Right. So this is during a time where it was kind of the Wild West in terms right. of production. Everything was open. People, everybody was sampling everything. Right. And EPMD were, you know, specifically Eric Sermon, the the producer, the main producer, mm-hmm. um, he was a pioneer in this sort of this, you know, using like a thousand songs to sample out of to make one song. Right. You know, similar to, you know, like they say, Public Enemy and um, 
the bomb squad. Right. So the Shockley guys, the Shockley brothers. Uh, so once that kind of went away and a bunch of, you know, so I think that's the reason why people didn't go back. Also, the other thing about it is rap progressed so quickly. Uh, we're talking about these records, mm -hmm. but these albums actually came out so quickly. You know, we're talking about really between Strictly Business in 88 and let's say Nas Illmatic. That was like 93. We're talking about like a five or six year difference in which rap changed like three or four times. Yes. The entire sound of rap music. Exactly. So I think that's a very important yeah. to kind of lay that context down. Um, it was an entire, by the time it got from 88 to 93, we're talking about two, like just an explosion of just different sounds. It just bloomed. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, um, what is that movie that came out not long ago? Annihilation. Right. If you, did you see Annihilation? So like, <laughs> it was like the shimmer. Like, so everything production was the right. shimmer. And so everything that went into this thing just kind of mutated in all these kind of weird things. Right. Um, yeah, that's the best thing I can kind of explain. But specifically speaking to APMD, I mean, that those first two were just spectacular. Tricky business, right. I'm housing, you guys to chill, let the funk flow. I mean, really, the first whole first record. Is yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of I'm housing. I, it just blew my mind. I was like, whoa, whoa. And, you know, adding – so I'm going to add two things regarding the production. For me, uh, going back to the production – uh, especially from those albums, like a lot, specifically these albums, like going back to Ultramagnetic MCs from like 88, 89, 90, 91, there was a much more stripped down element to it. So it was like very, um, I want to say like it was a really uh, minimalist approach to um, production. Um, and so you really, For some yes, long, yeah. uh, I think the, uh, and, and as we get into the later 90s, production seemed to get more and more complex. That depends. Like, mm -hmm. if you look at the Beastie Boys, for example, yeah. like around the same time in, like, 89, they came right. out with Paul's Boutique. Um, they used – the Dust Brothers used, prob like from what I understand, like thousands of samples. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at, like, you know, the public – again, going back to Public Enemy, it takes a nation – um, or, or, or mm -hmm. just that album alone. I mean, just one song, you'd hear one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine right. samples in one track. So it really depends. Like ETMD, they, they were kind of stripped down. So they would You're just right. use like the baseline of, you know, I mm -hmm. shot the sheriff, for example, yeah. and it was just like boom. And they put that bass behind it, the SP bass, and then, you know, they make it work. Um, so it just, I think it depends. You know, it depends. Molly Marl is the same way, right. kind of a stripped down sort of approach. Uh, and, you know, uh, and what I meant by that was like, uh, let's say like a latter part, um, uh, especially, uh, you know, P. Diddy's production values, like sp starting specifically uh, in 94 with uh, Ready to Die, right? In that album, you can hear how polished the sound is compared to, say, um, you know, Strictly Business. Oh, for sure. No question about it. No question. I mean, this. I think part of that, um, you know, is the tech, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's obviously that can't be under understated. I mean, the, the tech alone probably made a, a fairly significant difference. I mean, the albums like Marley Marl made mm -hmm. with like Big Daddy Kane and the stuff that, um, you know, that Eric Sermon made with EPMD, you know, a lot yes. of these records were made in like their basements. You know, even right, even right up to Wu Tang Clan, they these these were made in, into basements, and they were going off feel mm -hmm. more than trying to. You know, Puff was like very much 
everything's very syncopated. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. Everything hits a mark. You know, so yeah, it's 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 a that's a big difference. Big, big, big difference. Agreed. Yeah. And that's exactly yeah. And even um and as you said, uh, you know, even listening from the albums from like the eighties all the way into the nineties, even these these artists themselves, um, their sound changed as well. Yeah, I actually caught an interview with um with EPMD recently and they were saying that they almost have like two two types of fans, you know, fans who caught mm-hmm. them in the 90s, you know, so like the joint and stuff like that. And, you know, the uh, 80s, you got to chill era. So, and there's a right. few who like both, but even within EPMD, I think the sound changed, um, you know, and it's continuing to change as they mm-hmm. move past the 90s. But yeah, I, I, do, I do agree that rap moves very fast, like in production, style, um, and how it kind of comes across in the mainstream. So I definitely agree. Yeah. And you know what? And that's the that's the one thing I do have to add is that, as a listener, you don't get to catch your breath. You know, like, the, and as Karan had mentioned, like the time space that these albums right. were released, it was like one after another, one after another. No question, absolutely. I mean, you you just going from, I mean, if you just look at just certain years, you know, you just go, mm-hmm. you know, nineteen ninety in hip hop. I mean, there's so many, so many records they came out like during that time. I mean, you just, just that year alone, we're talking about like, uh, right. what came out there? Digital Underground, Sex Packets, Fear of a Black Planet. I mean, we're talking about just like within like uh, America's Most Wanted, X Clan. We're talking about just within like two months, like it, exactly. You know, Try Call Quest and People's mm-hmm. Stick Travels. You know, that came out in between those two. I mean, we were talking about, and these things were just boom. Boom, right. boom, boom. Poor Rice's teachers. Mm-hmm. You talking about NWA, that little EP they came out with, brand Nubian. It's yeah. just like so yeah. much was, was happening at the same time. You can't even, you can't even, you're right. That's probably, uh, yeah. it's almost like you're running a race and you're trying to listen to much stuff you no. can, but it's, you can't catch everything. It's, it's just so difficult. And I, and I think like, you know, even in, you know, living in somewhere like Saudi Arabia, you would get all these, like you would only get the cream of the crop. You would only get the albums that were the most uh, played, the most popular albums. Right. And that's why we missed out a lot of this stuff. And now moving on, like, you know, as we were talking about, you know, uh, influential albums. Um, So the way I got into a lot of these guys was really through Eric B. and Rakim. And um, I had listened to – I had NBA 2K13. So, and they used um, one of their songs and I was like, man, why am I not? Cause I knew these guys. I was like, why am I not listening to this stuff? So that's how I started to really go back and start listening to this. And that was my gateway drug was Eric B and Rakim. And um, my thing was like I, the first few albums, like, you know, I just felt it was like a lot of like, uh, you know, Eric B's wax track skills, you know, like how good he is how good of a mixer he is and all that kind of fun stuff. It's the latter albums that I, that, you know, I was like, Whoa, this, you know, when uh, Rakim started just blowing my mind with his, uh, with his lyrical skills, I was like, Oh, this is, this is amazing. Especially some songs like uh, microphone fiend. And uh, again, uh, you know, I, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. I really love this stuff. And there was actually a point in my time in my life where I was like, yeah, I just want to listen to Eric B and Rakim and Gangstar. And there was those two that I would, and we cover those later. And that, and this was like, yeah, 
and I had them. I, unfortunately, my one of my iPods got stolen, so I had my wife's little tiny one, and I just downloaded the entire uh, catalog of uh, Eric B and Rakim and Gangstar, and that's all I played. With that with a bunch of Bollywood songs that were on her. Oh, thing. Wow. But I, I liked it that much. So, um, uh, still, so go, going back, uh, Ahmed, uh, we'll start yeah. with you. What were your thoughts about Eric B and Rakim? Uh, so I kind of came across in a really funny way. Uh, so I don't know if you guys remember, there used to be these NBA jam videos with people dunking with um, music in the back. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there was a video called um, about, you know, to do with blocks, like defensive, you know, blocks and stuff like that. And uh, the song was uh, Don't Sweat the Technique. So this was um, 96, like I had just moved to the England and uh, I bought this tape because I was a big basketball fan. I was like, who is this guy? And I just love that song, Don't Sweat the Technique. And then I went and, um, you know, my cousins, they already had Derek B and Rakim stuff. So I listened to all of it then. And, uh, yeah, I just thought it was really, really good. Um, I think probably Rakim might be the best East Coast rapper ever or the biggest influence, you know, on people like Nas and Biggie and stuff like that. So, yeah, ever since I, you know, listened to that and paid in full, you know, it's uh, it's just classic. Like, what else can you say, really? No question. No question. Uh, Karan, um, yeah. Go ahead, add your thoughts on it as well. I'd agree, um, largely. I, I think that, first of all, I mean, Fade and Fold is, like, basically of this era that we're talking about. It is the bench. It is it is the baseline. It is the benchmark record. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, um, Rakim is basically – the peak of the like the progression model as far as rapping is concerned. Um, I would mm-hmm. say that Nas, specifically not the version of Nas that's an Illmatic, is the ultimate version um, in, in terms of bringing together all right. this. I think Illmatic is the peak of rap music. Not to say there has been other peaks in this and that, but I think in terms of mm-hmm. Illmatic, of course, this is like the the first end of, of an era that we're, that's the next era after we're talking about, but paid in full. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I think that first of all, it's, it's ideal. It's perfect. I think that what well, people will have to just sort of understand about, um, Rakim is his bars. Like the, the bar level is so spectacular for the time we're talking about, like, mm. you know, right. he yeah. was the first really yeah, one yeah. to really, uh, for example, I'm gonna go back to a documentary that I saw. That hip hop documentary, I forget what that young man's name is. That from Canada, um, he did a documentary for Netflix, Hip Hop Evolution. And Run DMC, D, uh, Daryl from DMC, he was Run DMC. He was like, when he first heard Eric P. Rock Hip, he was like, "Oh my God, our careers are over." <laughs> now imagine this. Now imagine this. Imagine this for somebody to admit that. So for DMC to be like, man, you know what? I don't. We're not going to be able to thrive anymore. This is it's over for us because he. There's an awareness there. I think there was an awareness at right. the time that except for except for Kane, except for Big Daddy Kane, who was his, who was really Rakim's chief, really Kane and, and Cool G Rap. Mm-hmm. Those are his chief rivals, really, as far as lyrical skill. Um, he he pretty much demolished everything that came before right. him. So it was almost like it's it's Rakim, as it were, if you know, to use like you know the Christian theology, he's almost kind of he's um, kind of a, a messiah figure. So he's kind of like okay, there was a before mm-hmm. him, 
and then there's after him. So Rakim is this figure that basically in which take took rap music or elevated hip hop into this sort of other beyond yes. party rap, beyond this kind of even a gangster thing where it's like just merely a street thing, but more of a, a heavy intellectual aspect um, right. to rap music. And that's what he brought to that's the, to me. That's his greatest achievement is that he brought this sort of deep, like intellectualism mm -hmm. to rap. And you know what? I'm going to add something to it. Um, and it's, I think, uh, especially when I was, um, you know, I had in my college years and I was strictly listening to underground hip hop, Rakim had set the, the, the literally the blueprint for how underground hip hop should conduct itself. Like this guy made like a handful of albums and, underground rappers forever like the late 90s i would say probably from like say 95 to 2005 they were basically emulating that style that those subject matters yes i'd agree with that mees rockham is a great I, i just i think i think for as far as just being mm -hmm. the greatest all around i think there are like a handful of rappers And he probably influenced them all. The only ones that I think that will I will put alongside Rakim, Slick Rick, just for simply just because he has such a unique style, and he actually yes. he predates Rakim by a couple of years. Um, Nas, mm. I mean, I, I just everything that he did. I mean, I, I think it, it just cannot yeah. be. Overstated. He, I think people have to understand how he's like the. I would say he's almost sort he's of a father. This, right? Yes, I mean he, he's basically he's the he's the Chuck Berry yeah. of Chuck Berry, Little Richard of of rap music. I mean it's just like it's yeah. a before and after, and it's very definitive. It's not like an accident. Like it's like oh well, kind mm -hmm. of no. There is before Rock Him, and then yes. there's after, and everybody knew it. Everyone understood that. The, oh, oh, wow! This is a whole other thing. Yeah. We're not good enough anymore. This is yeah. not what we're doing. Is not going to work anymore. We need to do something different. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I for me, it was uh, it was a song "Know the Ledge" because if you listen to "Know the Ledge," it's a faster hip hop that you know, like a faster yeah. beat compared to contemporaries of that time. And when Rakim's rapping on that particular song. You're like, whoa, this is a whole different, you know, nothing's been done since and nothing's been done before. Yeah, that was on the, I thought sorry to interrupt, that was on the Juice soundtrack, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Which a few of these artists were, right? So, um, yeah, that was a really great song. Yes, for sure. Yeah. For me, that was it. That was like, whoa, this is, this is a whole different, uh, this is a whole different ball game. This, this is going to change. And, you know, it's, again, you have to – and I'm listening to it retrospectively, right? So I'm listening to it at a time when I've already been exposed to Nas. I've already been exposed to Jay-Z. I've already been exposed to Black Thought. So, you know, it's in a point where you're like, okay, so now I've listened to contemporary hip-hop. Because I knew what – at that – you know, the contemporary um, – their contemporary of that time, you know, uh, like say um, – the best example I could give is like MC Hammer because they came about the same time. That song was about – Right. More or less the same time, right. and so you you have to compare apples to apples or oranges to oranges, and that was it for me when I was like, oh my god, this guy's just he just blew everybody out of the out of the freaking water, man. This is just amazing. So I, and I was a, I'm a big fan of that, like you know, like that just the, when the tempo goes fast, 
and he just he maintains. For sure, no question. Now, uh, yeah. So now moving on, um, this was a little understated, and um, and, and you know, it's it's a. I really find this to be one of the most unfortunate. Uh, uh, I want to say artists of this uh, of. Um, of the uh, artists that we're going to be talking about is Pete Rock and Seal Smooth. And um, the reason being so is both albums are fantastic. They only had two albums. Um, And I would highly recommend like, uh, you know, as uh, Quran had mentioned before, like if you're going to really listen to East coast hip hop, uh, you know, obviously Nas and Wu-Tang and especially Nas's uh, first album, Wu-Tang's first album. But the second album with Pete Rock and Seal Smooth is the quintessential East coast sound. And um, and it was so good because, you know, CL Smooth really knew Pete Rock's style and he compliments it really well. And I thought they both worked together to come up with something great because I heard CL Smooth's latter albums without Pete Rock and they just they didn't do it for me as well as when he did albums with Pete Rock. And it was only two albums and I thought that both albums were great and, you know, they just couldn't work it out for themselves and they never made albums after that. Um, any Ahmed, do you want to add to this particular these these uh, these two albums? Yeah, I just uh, I kind of agree with you that they were really really good and uh, probably one of the more underrated uh, you know rappers mm-hmm. that we're talking about today. Um, you know, especially historically. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of got into this very recently, and I kind of missed it completely uh, back in the day. Um, so yeah, really really good uh, good stuff. Like I like the creator right. straighten it out, searching. Lots of loving, uh, yes. Reminisce over you, and I thought it was really, really solid. Yeah, solid hip hop. Uh, Karan, what's your history with this? Uh, with the both of these guys? Okay, so I was excited to talk about. Okay, first of all, I mean, it should be said again for somebody who was here stateside and was getting at it like as it was coming out. Right. Um, these were these were massive records as okay. far as the hip hop community is concerned. Not like sort of this pop thing, but. As far as like the hip hop community is concerned, mm-hmm. the main ingredient specifically is it is again it is almost a perfect record. The main ingredient specifically. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to the Mecca and the Soul Brother, um, Straighten It Out is fantastic. But this is my personal opinion here. Like they reminisce over you uh, is arguably the greatest. This is my personal opinion. This is the gr- single greatest rap song that's ever been. Okay. Okay. That is. <laughs> that's how I feel about. Right. The song. Right. Right. Okay. So wow. it is. It is the. It is, it is pretty good. The single. <laughs> again, it is a top of the progression model. I don't think I've ever heard a better mm-hmm. song. It was. It's 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 ideal. Now going back to now, I think part of the reason why CEO is not as respected, perhaps as as some of. Uh, his other, you know, his contemporaries, even at the time or historically, is that he didn't. It was a very smooth style. Um, he is smooth. It's, it's, yeah. it's in his name, CL Smooth. So, you know, it, but he wasn't Kane. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the. the, the so he was at the time. He was kind of like mm-hmm. Kane White. So I think that's the thing about it about CL. Great rapper had a lot of skills, but. Um, he had an unfortunate situation. So first he was kind of seen as Diet mm-hmm. Kane. And then on the other side of it, it was his his, his partner, Pete Rock, was a much bigger 
Right. Back. I mean, he was a much bigger. People wanted him. He was like the more, one of the mm-hmm. more desired producers of the time. Um, and we're also speaking to complexity of the records. Um, you look at some a song like "I Got a Love" mm-hmm. off a of main ingredient. I mean, how many samples did it use? They used like I want to say like six or seven mm-hmm. or eight samples. You know, so you know, Big Daddy Kane, Grover Washington, uh, Biz Marquee, Funk Incorporated. I mean, it used a right. lot of lot of samples, and you know, it was very. This is now we're getting into this more kind kind of complex sort of production mm-hmm. value. So CL was kind of seen as like. He sounds nice over Pete Rock's yes. instrumentals. See, so there's a difference here. So it's not like, oh, CL is this great rapper. There's a reason why Pete Rock exists. And his name is in front of CL Smooth because Pete Rock is the show, and CL Smooth right. is sort of, you know, he speaks his little mm-hmm. stuff over the production. Like I don't, I hate to reduce him to that, but that's what CL Smooth kind of was at the time. He was just like, oh, oh, he sounds tight. Yeah, you know, but Pete Rock is that deal. You know, so that's just what it was. It's an unfortunate for him, and I hate it that his his career, mm-hmm. that his legacy has kind of been reduced to this sort of like right. B player because he definitely wasn't. He was very talented, but that's you know that's what it was at the time, and what it still yeah. kind of is, is uh, now. And you know, again, and I had mentioned this before, uh, there some there's some ingredient that was definitely missing in his at the albums that he didn't make with Pete Rock, and. I don't know what it was. Oh, I just sure. don't know. And I think uh, Pete Rock. I guess. Yeah, it was Pete Rock for sure. That, yeah, that's that was true. That's true. <laughs> and uh, and you know uh, the thing is, I got to listen to more of Pete. Like prior to you know starting this project, I was listening to a lot of Pete Rock, and basically a lot of his albums where you just have you know like guest rappers come on and uh, uh, do so, do some stuff. And there was um, I cannot get enough of Pete Rock. I was like, this guy really knows how to make a record. There's a, he has this amazing style. It's just his beats and his yeah. breaks, his samples. I was like, this guy is like one of the best hip hop DJs I've ever heard. Yes, I mean Pete Rock is. I mean, you could say, mm-hmm. in terms of influence, he's he's got to be. I mean, you t- you run it down just like if I had gave you just a kind of a, a mm-hmm. loose top five of hip-hop producers we're talking about dilla pete rock right probably pharrell you got to put in there um and then you and then mm-hmm. it's kind of like marley marl as far as like influence and then you know then down the line you know i wouldn't count like i wouldn't count kanye or or p diddy as as producers mm-hmm. per se i mean these, mm-hmm. these guys are more organizers of people's sounds they're curators of sound but just like in the booth with the SP or with the NPC in their lap, Pete Rock, right. Jay Dilla, no question, number one. Um, but he's yeah. up there. He's in the top three to five, no matter what list you're talking about as far as production. And, and, you know, and again, he has that – he has a quintessential East Coast sound. Yes. And speaking of uh, quintessential East Coast sound, we moved to Big L. Oh, man. Um, now, Big – yeah, I get it. so I hadn't heard of Big L until I got to college, and um, and when I got to college, I think he he passed away, uh, you know, the year after or something like that. I think yeah, the year after, and then that's where he was like, you know, um, he was about to blow up, and this was a the I think 
to understand how good Big, Big L was, I had read a quote where Nas said that he was actually scared when he first heard Big L's album. He's like, oh, oh, I don't think I – and, you know, to paraphrase him, he's like, I don't think I could, I could rap with this guy's rap. This guy's such a spectacular MC. Wow. Uh, now, Emmett, where have when did you first hear of Big L? Uh, I think the first time I heard of him was in a Nas song. I think Nas starts with Big L, rest in peace, and then he goes into his own rap. So I was like, oh, who's that guy? So, right. But I didn't really look into it until you brought it up. So for me, it's very recent. Uh, you know, I right. mentioned as a few months ago. Um, and then mm-hmm. again for this podcast, like when I really listen to him, you know what I mean, like track by track. And yeah, I have to echo what you said. Like this guy is like would have been one of the greatest rappers ever if he continued. Uh, but you know, mm-hmm. tragedy unfortunately ended his career and life. Um, but I thought I thought it was amazing, man. Um, uh, did quite a few songs I liked, like uh, "Put It On," MVP, "The Graveyard," uh, and others. Right. But it's just one of those things that actually makes you a little bit sad, kind of like big puns where you kind of wish you would have continued. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another, you know, tragedy, unfortunately, um, in me. Right. Um, and what'd you think of his, uh, like, did, uh, what'd you think of his hip, his rapping style? Uh, oh, I love it. Cause it was, yeah. um, I love right. it, especially someone who was kind of, uh, missed it when it came out. Um, it was really uh, refreshing yeah. to, um, here an MC, uh, especially nowadays, you know, I don't know what these kids are doing. <laughs> I wouldn't call it MCing, you know, uh, you know, some of the new rappers. I mean, there are exceptions, but it's just nice to hear hip hop, you know, how real hip hop. So, right. Yeah, I was really impressed with him. Right, uh, Karan, uh, what are your thoughts on Big L? Um, I agree with what you both said. Um, he was supposed to be like the next one. You know, so this right. his first record actually came out. Um, okay, first of all, lifestyles of the of the poor and dangerous, like that kind of, you know, that a lot of that had kind of existed before it actually come out in like ninety what ninety four ninety five, mm-hmm. um, and just various other things. Um, he was also like in like Children of Corn with Cam, um, with Cameron and and Mace, <laughs> which is funny to me yeah. now looking back that he was actually in the little kind of a crew with Cameron and, and Mace. Yeah. But you know, that's what it was at the time. They were they were hardcore rappers that he's probably mm-hmm. credited as being like one of the first, you know, there's like kind of this underground, you know, horror core mm-hmm. that people do, but it's not considered at all mainstream. But he was like he had stuff like what was it a song called Devil Son or something like that. Yes. Yeah. It was like a hard, hard horror core rap. Now coming forward to, to lifestyles, um that was supposed to take him up to the next. He was supposed to arc his his career trajectory. He was supposed to be amongst the greats right. of all time. Um, put it on. It's like one of my. I can put that on like right now. I, I'm the jam man. I love that song. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite songs of all time in any genre. Um, Kids were pre on there yelling on there. The chorus. I love it. Right. Um, and he just had it all. Right. He had it all. He had. That, I think that was the thing that people loved about him is that he had this, he had it. He just had it. Yeah. He had like the, the hard gangster bars. He also had the stuff for the ladies. And he also in, in the mix, midst of all that, he could make like really fun songs and he could make songs like you to go back to other songs that weren't on that record, like a bond. Yes. 
um, where he's just like, E is for the, you know, so he's just like running all this down, like but the letters of the alphabet. Right. And, you know, whatever, and, and just running all this slang down. And it's just like, how is this possible? How is it possible for this guy to do this? I think using big pun, I think the big puns uh, reference is perfect because pun was also one of the great pure MCs of all time as well. And he passed away well before his time. It, this was just kind of an unfortunate period of time mm-hmm. where a lot of legendary guys were just like being killed left and right. It was, yeah. it was very yeah. unfortunate. You know, it's very sad. When I think of Big L, I just, I, I'm sad about it because he, he was supposed to be one of the greatest. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, uh, with, as, as you pointed out, you know, with, uh, Mace, uh, pri- you know, when he was running with that crew, his, his rapper Eagle, alter Eagle was murder Mace. Oh Yeah. Oh, he yeah. was nasty. He was nasty. Like he was a dope. Like, he was dope back then too. He was super dope. I, you know, you and here in the states, you, we could get mixes. Yes. We can get all these mixes. Like I was, I was raised in South Carolina, but you could buy. You go to the local record store, and they would have these bootleg mixes. Yep. You know, from like you know stretchy yes. Bobito mixes and stuff like that, and you could buy the mixes for like mm-hmm. $10, 12 dollars, and so you would know what was going on in New York before. You know the rest of the, right. the 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 country knew about it, so you would, you know, stuff like you know, so so Mace back in the day before he was like, you know, with the shiny suits and stuff, we're, he's talking about like murder and mayhem, and and, he, and it was like more complex bars too. It wasn't like this kind of A yeah. B C, you know, like real simplistic yeah. raps that he did. I with think, if anything, because you know, I think me and um, and me and Ahmed that discussed this, we we're like. Out of the entire Bad Boy crew, we always thought Mace was one of the weakest. And, and you know, this was, this was actually my youngest brother. It's like, yo, it's murder, Mace. I was like, what? Get out of here. And then when he gave me the, you know, when he gave me some of these mixes, that's when I'm like, oh, my God, this guy was badass. He was bad. Yeah. No, I like he made a conscious choice. He made a conscious choice to go, right. you know, to do the, the Bad Boy thing. Because right, he right, saw that's, right. go, that's what's going to make money. Mm. Yeah. And now moving on to, you know, bad mofos, we're going to talk about Gangstar. Now, okay. So now Gangstar is, and I had mentioned this before, like there was a time where I was strictly only listening to Eric B and Rakim and Gangstar because I loved Gangstar. I was like, and this is how it started because I remember in the late 90s, uh, yeah, late 90s, early O's and I was like, yo, I'm strictly underground hip hop, man. This is it. That's it. That's all I'm going to listen to. And, you know, as, as pretentious as, and as, uh, uh, I want to say like, um, there's an orthodox and an orthodoxy to that kind of, um, thought pattern. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my friends are like, yo, you gotta listen. If you like that stuff, listen to Gangstar. And again, I missed it. And, um, come like this decade, I was like, and I started putting it on and I was like, Oh, Whoa, whoa, whoa. And it was it was Guru. And the thing about Guru was I liked to he had this laid back rapping style. And you know, it was like um uh it was like uh what's it called? Um it was like that you know when they say the LBC, right? And this is an argument I have to share this with you, Quran. Like we me and Ahmed had this okay. uh 
argument in Saudi Arabia and we would talk about LBC, right? Uh, Snoop would always say LBC and LBC and it's like, no, oh, yeah. and it's Long Beach, California. I'm like, no, it's a laid back city, man. And Guru <laughs> was this laid back city style with his like smooth. And, um, and I don't know what was going on there. Like, was he like laid, like, was he just lying down and rapping? Was he just sitting? Because it was just, it was just so smooth. I could not believe how smooth this guy was. And, um, you know, uh, to me, what really showcased his style was tons of guns. You know, it was such a unique, it was nothing I'd heard before. And to this day, nothing I've heard again. So, and just such a smooth style. And I became an instant fan right away as soon as I heard Gangstar. Uh, Ahmed, starting with you, what did you? What was your thoughts on Gangstar? Uh, yeah, this is one of my favorites. Um, so uh, I kind of, uh, I think I first heard of him. I had like a rap compilation tape, uh, which I bought in '96, mm-hmm. and the song "Love Sick" was on there. I was right. like thinking the same thing: like, is this guy lying down? Is this guy <laughs> smoking weed? Mm-hmm. Like very smooth and you know chilled out. And uh, I didn't really have access at that time to um, you know their stuff. Because it's kind of underground, especially in the UK. Um, but then when I got to college, um, a lot of people were listening to Gangstar, you know. And uh, yeah, and uh, so were you. And uh, so I thought, oh, let me let me uh, give this uh, give this a try. And I'm glad I did because it's probably one of the best, you know, groups out there uh, ever. Right. Amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, there's too many tracks to kind of mention, but a few are like Full Clip, Work, Mass Appeal, Moment of Truth, Check the Technique. Uh, that's just a few. Right. Uh, yeah, one of the best, man. What I, what can I say? And Karan, uh, so tell us a little bit about to tell because I heard you go ooh as soon as you heard Gangstar. Well, Gangstar is you know as far as you know me and my, the friends that I have here. He's we do a podcast mm-hmm. here um, and we talk about we is we almost make it you know we we talk about Gangstar on a regular basis. It's just. You know what I like about Gangstar is what you guys are just saying. What, what you literally just said. You started listening to Gangstar when you got to like college. Gangstar is like, and what I love about Gangstar is like they were almost like the ideal entry point into hip hop if you really weren't into it before. Okay, so it is like, especially if you weren't listening, if you had just basically mainstream stuff to listen to, and then all of a sudden you're like, you get to college. You're 18, 19 years old, and now you're mentally able to kind of accept these new ideas, even though they're kind of mm-hmm. older ideas, but they're new ideas to you. Yes. Um, they're perfect. Like, it's like, yeah, this is how this is. They're like almost an ideal representation of what hip hop is supposed to be. We're talking about like ridiculous mm-hmm. production. We're talking about like catchy, just, you know, breaks, catchy uh, choruses. You think a song like Royalty with mm-hmm. Casey and JoJo, like it was just like perfect. And then you have Guru, who is just like, who is, right. I mean, he's an icon. And it's just as a person. And then as a rapper, we're talking about a guy who had, I mean, we're not talking about a guy who was talking about like these all, you know, gangsterisms and, and all this stuff. It was largely like very yeah. positive messages, you know, which is ultimately what rap hopefully at its peak, I mean, obviously, you know, all the gun shooting and rap, you know, that's going to be, you know, we're talking about street life, street level stuff, mm-hmm. just like grime or whatever. And that's 
they're going to be the first stuff that comes up in rap music because these are guys that are mm-hmm. coming from the street telling their story. So there's going to be inherently right. be violence involved in that story. Okay. So, but for a guru, again, we're talking about like a guy who didn't rap on the level of Rakim, but he actually made it, he could spoon feed right. you this information. And it was dope. He rapped, he rapped just dope enough for you to be like, oh man, that's ill. And he's giving me a positive message. And I feel yeah. good after listening to it. Right. You know, so, yeah. you know, that's the thing. That's the, the great thing about Gangstar. He's like, they made you feel good in listening to what it is that they had to say. It's, 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 it's spectacular. We, we lost a great, when we yeah. lost Guru, we lost one of the greats. Like really, truly one, of, not just one of the great rappers, but just one of the truly great mm-hmm. pioneers and thinkers of in rap music. The intellectual type guys that we really we still miss even to this day yeah um yeah and i'd have to agree Uh, again this is another guy that wrote the blueprint for underground hip-hop and not only that like if you listen to it if you go back and you pick up a lot of the wu-tang solo albums uh by the solo members you can definitely hear you know the influence of guru and i would say uh, oh no no question yeah um especially if, if you listen to like um you know um uh, ghostface killers albums where he's just you know just uh, storytelling elements and i'm like that's straight guru right there no question no question there's no question they, they may or may not say it but yeah guru the storytelling aspect of it he's one of the him guru um uh, Slick Rick, obviously. Yeah. Ghostface. Yeah, they were Rock Him. A lot of the guys, you know, Rock Him, and and a little bit less so is more more bars. Right. But just the storytelling aspect, Ghostfaces and Guru, yeah. Slick Rick. Oh man, just tremendous, tremendous. Right. Now moving on from one icon to another, and I saved the best for the last, and because. Um, this is the first time I've ever heard of this guy, right? Uh, actually, I stand corrected. Karan had said, hey, you got to – we were just talking about MCs, and he's like yeah. – and he just – I don't have the specific message. It was on my Gmail chat, and he just said, yo, check this out. And he busted oh, yeah, this yeah. rhyme. You know, he just – not busted his rhyme, but he you know, he gave me a sample of it, and it was Big Daddy Kane. And – Karan typed this guy. This is like almost eight years ago. So I was like, okay, now I'm going to check out Big Daddy Kane. And again, this is like for this particular podcast, this was the first time I heard him. And I was like, whoa. And, you know, I mean, it's it was, uh, it was a unique style. You can totally tell where he's coming from. Like you can tell that this guy, storytelling elements and then just the way he rapped. And um, the other uh, the other uh, thing that I wanted to concentrate, uh, concentrate on was just his – he had this flow that was like – not only was it like just one-dimensional, but it was like 3D. Like he wasn't just talking one thing. He was talking two or three different levels. And this is, again, uh, this is such a – uh, uh, latter MCs like, you know, Eminem. Um uh, Jay Z and even uh, Kanye, you can hear, you know, when they start rapping, and uh, you can hear like they're not just rapping just one dimensional; they're rapping three dimensional type subject matters. And 
I always felt like when I was listening to um, Big Daddy King, that's what I felt like. I'm like, oh, this guy's talking in, you know, 3D over here. He's not just talking one term at all. Uh, Ahmed, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so uh, I was a big fan. I got into him in the, I think it was 96, the summer of 96. I just moved to England. And uh, my cousins had uh, like a lot of Public Enemy and Big Daddy Kane albums around. So I thought, oh, let me check this guy out. And uh, again, he was another right, guy right. who was on the Juice soundtrack. <laughs> Actually, in the beginning, showing all the characters, uh, the song Enough Respect comes on. So, yeah. uh, you know, there was also that, which was one of the first films I saw in that summer. So it was all linked. Um, but yeah, was, I just went through the albums and I was like instantly hooked with this guy, man. Um, and I have to agree, like he, I think it was mentioned earlier that he was probably the only rival, um, if we can say that, to uh, mm -hmm. Rakim uh, at that time. You know, it's almost just as good. Um, but he came, you know, from a different kind of angle. You know, he was a smooth operator. What else can you say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I'd, 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 I'd definitely would co-sign that. He was... He had okay. The I, I would say the fundamental difference between Rakim. There were three guys at that particular time that you could mm -hmm. see they were at the top. They were kind of the Mount Rushmore of, so to speak, of of rap at the time. So you talking about Rakim and Kane and Cool G Rap. Now Cool G Rap, we're not bringing him up because he doesn't have any specific classic records or anything like that. But as far as just like his rap mm -hmm. skills, he's he was very much a gangster. He was actually very much a gangster in real life too. So that, like, you know, so it, it kind of brought forward into his rap music. Um, but mm -hmm. but he was almost all gangster. Now Rakim, to his credit, obviously he was more. He was a. It was about the 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 raps. Mm -hmm. It was about the bars. It was about the complexity in the bars. Um, now what Kane did, he was more again. Like he, like I said, he's the smooth operator. He was this of the three guys. Right. He, was by, he was the smoothest <laughs> yeah. guy, and he was also the smoothest guy mm -hmm. in just real life. Like he just, he was just, he had it. He had that that little extra. He had that swag, <laughs> and he had it in his bars. He was just kind of like yeah. Rakim was kind of like the guy that you wanted to be like. Oh man, I want right. to rap like him. But in Kane in real life, you wanted to be like Kane in real life. That's like there's a big difference between. The two things like you wanted to be Big Daddy Kane because mm -hmm. he was kind of like the rap kind of Teddy Pendergrass, right? For you know, as far as he was like kind of this black Elvis figure in rap music, like he was so cool. He had the cool dance steps, he had the cool haircuts, he had the nicest trunk jewelry, he had the the you know, he had women, and he had just this kind of lazy, kind of laid back style, but at the same time, the technique, the the, the bar, yeah the triple, double and triple rhyme schemes that he had in there. Like you couldn't, you couldn't, you mess with them at on that level either. Now going into like Long Live the Cane, right. I think that's the album that I probably referenced to you. I know it is. Um, it's perfect. It's a perfect record. It has one of the great mm -hmm. leading a uh, track side, a track, a songs of Long Live the Cane of all, of all time. Yes. It just, is one of the perfect lead-ins to the record. And Ain't No Half Step in this fantastic. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. On the bug tip, like on the on the bug tip where mm -hmm. he, he has his partners on there and they're rapping too and there's like so-so or I guess scoop lovers on there. But when the rap drop, when it drops off and the beat drops off and they're just like beating on the table. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, that's one of the great right. 16, I don't know how many bars, 24 bars 
there are in rap music. He's just like, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he's just like, it's just, yeah. it feels, again, he's kind of like Gangstar and where you listen to him and it just feels good that you're listening to it. It feels great. You come away feeling enlightened and, and feeling really good mm-hmm. about yourself. And, yeah. And, I, and I, you know, like, again, this is like, again, the first time I'd heard most majority, I think in Jurassic 5, they did like on their second or third album, so I think it was second album, they did have him guest oh, as an yeah. MC. And again, it was yeah. like a, uh, I think it was a track called the race track or something like that. And again, it was like a fast tempo song and, you know, uh, um, Big Daddy King just got on there, started spitting rhymes. And I was like, whoa, I, I'm always, I'm a big sucker for like, you know, fast tempo, fast tempo rapping styles. Like, you know, when you go with, uh, um, um, like uh, uh, the Bone Thugs in Harmony song with Biggie Smalls. And even Biggie, he changed his style just to make sure that he could keep in pace with the guys from Bone Thugs. And it was right. such a it was such a smooth right. technique. And, I, and I'm always like, because I don't know, maybe it's in my mind, I perceive it as like that must be a very difficult thing to do. And that's why I always, uh, I always fell in love with that kind of thing. Um, so now, as we um, now that we've covered most of all these uh, most of the rappers and MCs that we were going to talk about, and I do want to do a little bit of an honorable mention. Um, and what I mean by honorable mention is that the uh, uh, the particular rap groups and rappers that we didn't cover were like, uh, and they were about the same era, the same time, um, was Public Enemy. Um, De La Soul and um, Tribe Called Quest. And the reason I didn't cover them because I think they deserve an episode by themselves. Because again, um, not that they're, that they have, um, uh, uh, they had a bigger influence or anything. It's just more that they had a longer legacy as opposed to these guys. So yes. and I and you know in I'm the sure. future yeah. hopefully we can sure. get you back on Wait. there again again Quran and we'd like to cover yeah great. so I would love to you know do a tribe called Quest um, I again I was yeah I'm sorry go ahead yeah Public Enemy too I think that needs its own show that yeah. was a huge 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 band uh, group sorry yes absolutely and and you know uh, and and just I want to break it I want to break it I just want to put mm-hmm. this note in because I think. Like I mean, you. When did you move to to England? When did you move to to England? Uh, ninety six. Okay, so I mean, that, I think what's important also with with uh, with Public Enemy is that they were actually bigger first in England than they oh, were yeah. in yeah. America. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't playing. Yeah, yeah. That's what they went. They went purposefully to London, and they were more more or less when they first came out, and even signed to Death Jam. They were more out of England than out of Europe, and they were a bigger, bigger. You know, that's what their base was. It wasn't until a little bit later when they got those videos with Spike Lee and all this stuff, and they were, mm-hmm. you know, would do right. the right thing, that they became yeah, yeah, big yeah. in the United States. So I think that's a, that's a, I'm, I'm excited to to possibly do that episode because I think that's that's an important situation yes. right there. Yeah, and um, now uh, you know. Uh, now that we've got the, you know, that we got a lot of these MCs in there, and hopefully we can put a little shine on them, and hopefully we get an audience to go back and check out their back catalog. The question that remains is, and it's something that I had discussed with Ahmed, and um, I actually even posted on my Facebook about a while back because I was listening to, um, I'm trying to remember, was it Ad Rock? I think I was listening to Ad Rock's interview on. Um, Where in the morning? Uh, with. Uh, 
Yeah, with uh, Sway in the Morning. And they were talking about like, you know, specifically like if you start a rock band, you know, if you're going to start a rock band, you have to listen to Led Zeppelin. You got to listen to Beatles. You got to listen to um, uh, the Rolling Stones. As opposed to rappers, you know, when you grow up, you don't have to listen to any of these guys. You just listen to your contemporaries and make an album out of that. And that's a shame. And this, but again, so my question is, why, why are rap, why are aspiring rap artists not, uh, I guess, uh, not directed to listen to any of these guys and just say, hey, listen to your contemporaries and make an album like that? Hmm. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll go because <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on this, um, and I'll, 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 I'll keep them kind of truncated. Right and won't get too long-winded on them. Um, you, you had kind of posed this question to me on our on the little IG Messenger, and I thought a little bit more about my answer. Yeah. And I said at the time that kind of rap as an institution sort of, what happens is more so than any other genre, we do not reflect back on what was past. It is the old is sort of cannibalized for the new. Um, you take what you want out of it. You think, mm-hmm. it looks like somebody like like Kendrick Lamar. It's very clear that you can hear, right? You know, you can hear Rakim, you can hear Nas, you can hear Jay Z, you can hear Kane, yes. you can hear Pun, you can hear these people in this mm-hmm. rapper. And I would say Kendrick is probably the guy right now. I guess for all intents and purposes, we'll just you know, I'll say for my argument, mm-hmm. he's the guy. But there's not reverence yep. in the same way. And I think it's twofold. I think partly is that we don't venerate these guys the way that we should on the whole, because again, Mm -hmm. like we were saying earlier, rap moves along so quickly that there's not a time to really reflect back because we're always just kind of pressing the gas forward. So I think that's part Mm -hmm. of it. I think that we do a very bad job of recognizing our leg- legends the way that we should because of the nature of rap music. It's for the young. You know, it's for young people. Uh, rap music has always been for young people. It's never, it's only been just lately in which a guy like Black Thought or Fonte or a lot of these people can have like these careers, um, these sort of extended careers. It, it, that's, or Jay Z. Just the, the specter, the mm-hmm. idea of Jay-Z would not have been possible even 10 years ago. Not even 10 years right. ago, Jay-Z would not have. Now when he comes up with a record, you know it's going to go platinum. You know he's gonna have a, it's going to be a number one record on Billboard as soon as it drops. Like, that right. wasn't possible. That wasn't possible a generation before. So, right. And then the, the other part of it, too, and I don't want to get into like this sort of conspiracy theory. I'm just going to go at it as... Um, how I see it, especially as a journalist who writes a lot of, you know, a good bit about music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think the record industry really has. If rec- if the record industry wanted a certain um, kind of music, they would have it. I'll say it like right. that. Okay. If they yeah. wanted like structure and like music for creativity's sake, they would have that. There's a reason why there's not. Um, certain kinds of music that we don't have anymore. There's not going to be a Beatles anymore. Like, I get it. Like, I know Ad-Rock said, like, well, we're going to, you know, you have to study the Beatles. But the Beatles and things like the Beatles don't exist anymore. Right. You know, so, and there's a reason for it because you can't, 
the industry is set up as such to where they need to be able to, for it to make money the way that they would like to make money is that they need to set up, they need to be able to control what people like. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to control what people like. They need to be able to control what people are into. They need to make predictability. Predictability right. makes money. Okay. So mm-hmm. that's the reason why, you know, trap is the thing right now. You can't yeah. even listen to what these, they rhyming in this triple scheme, this triple word, like, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It is absolute <laughs> gibberish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's predictable. Mm-hmm. It's easy. You, mm. you, you, you don't have to do any, almost anything. They have all kinds of, anybody can make a trap beat. Right. They have all kinds of like beat uh, packages that you can buy on the internet and mm. anybody can do it. So the creativity of it is taken out of it. Now it's just about dancing in a feel and with the chains that are really tight, like neck chokers mm-hmm. and the crazy hair. So it's a look. So they basically what they've done is they made boy bands out of trap rappers. Mm-hmm. Migos is basically Backstreet Boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's that's what people need to understand. <laughs> yeah. This is there. We're not talking about somebody who we're the, the, the Migos and all these young and FYN sets and such and little da 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 da. These guys are our present day in sinks yeah. and Backstreet Boys and night and and the Jackson Five and all these people. That's all they are. Mm-hmm. People need to really grasp the idea that this is money. This is about money. This is mm-hmm. about how much money that we can spend and get the most out of the least amount of money that we have to right. spend. Um, yeah, that's what I have to say uh, about that. You know, and I'm, I'm going to add something else and I can't remember the specific rapper. Um, but, um, you know, fortunately slash unfortunately I I'm on world star hip hop, right. On my Instagram. So I always see like a lot of rappers, you know, contemporary rappers spew some sort of ignorant stuff, but, uh, and I can see where they're coming from. Um, one of these guys, one of these guys is like, man, forget, forget Tupac, forget Biggie. Those guys are done with. I'm the I'm I'm the new guy. I'm the new thing, and it was the same thing with me growing up as a rock fan. I was like, you know what? Forget the Beatles. Forget Led Zeppelin. Let's just listen to rock that's contemporary. That's saying something new. Yeah. So as I was saying, like, um, you know, um, like uh, these contemporary rap artists, they don't want to be compared to these old school guys. They don't want to be compared to, you know, what they used to be. Uh, what rappers used to be. They want to be like, hey, listen, we're this is today. Uh, uh, we just want to concentrate on now. And it was just like me when I was growing up. I was like, I don't want to listen to the Beatles. I don't want to listen to Led Zeppelin. I want to listen to contemporary. What's now? What's happening? So I think that also adds to an right. element of how why these guys are forgotten. For sure. No question about that. I, I definitely agree with you. We're guilty. Yeah. We're all yeah. guilty. We're all guilty. <laughs> we're all we're all we're all accomplices to like the um, not just like the, the the denigration of rap music, but I think just sort of this sort of reductionist sort of activity, the way we think of, like, we don't want context. Yeah. Like, that's the, and that's what you're doing. Like, when you say you want the now, what you're also, what you're basically saying simultaneously is I don't really want context to what it is that I'm yeah. hearing right now. I want to hear what I'm hearing right now, and I only want to concentrate on that thing. Um, and I don't want to understand what the history behind it is because I, I just don't yeah. care about that. I'm trying to give it to these young people now. 
Yeah. Um, it's the same, you know, like, um, and same thing again with my brother, right? Like, uh, I tried to, I'm like, yo man, you get, you know, check these guys, check this out. He's like, no, man, I don't care about these old ass dudes, man. Nobody cares about these old ass dudes. It's not about them. It's about Drizzy Drake. And you know, I'm again, you know, Drizzy Drake, great rapper, great, whatever, but you know, just listen to it. It's not going to, I'm not saying that this individual is better or less better than, uh, uh, than Drizzy Drake. But at the same time, it's just fun to listen to. And the other thing is none of this stuff gets on airplay either on radio stations. Right, right, right. That's the thing. That's part of yeah. the, the program, though. If they wanted that stuff, if they wanted stuff that you wanted to think about or stuff that positive messages or intricate messages, if mm-hmm. that's what they wanted on the radio, they could have it on the radio. They're choosing to not have it on the radio. You know, and because because there is radio format out there that's called like only hits from the nineties, you know, and there it's stuff and all they play is that same played out stuff that I heard twenty years ago. Right. Right. So it's uh, you know I mean it's, I think that's uh, that's that's what's going on is that we're just and as a as someone that enjoys history, I just it it's to me it's always like man we're we're gonna lose this we're not gonna see it anymore, and like it's a shame it's absolutely a shame because in a few years time no one's gonna care yeah that's true I mean I, I think that's. Go ahead, go ahead, Amin. Mean. I was just going to say that's a nice uh, kind of like alternative to that is like Royce the Five Nine and uh, DJ Premier. I don't know if you guys listen to P Rhyme. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that stuff is out there, but like Karen was saying earlier, like you never see it on TV, you never hear it on radio. You have to kind of look for it. You do. You do. I agree with that. Um, it's hard. I mean, what do you do yeah. though? It's like, I guess it's kind of like, what do you do? I mean, as an older guy, you know, I'm almost forty. So what am I going to tell? You know, you know, who am I going to tell? You know, I, I, you know, the older, older heads that my uncles or whatever, they used to tell me the same thing. Like, oh, that, you know, you need to listen to this and this and that. And I used to do the same thing that these young guys are doing to us, you know. So, yeah, you know, it's just like, what do you do yeah. about that? I think it's just kind of like that's the ebb and flow of life. That's just kind of how it goes. You're going to tell, you know, you're going to say that as your time was better than the time after yours. And they're going to say the same thing. And then your kids' kids are going to say the same right. thing. So you know, it's kind of one of those deals where, you know, you think mm-hmm. of your generation or prior was better than the one that's currently happening. Yeah, and uh, and that's uh, you know, I can I think that's that's the shame. And now before we close off, um, I want to add one more thing, and I discussed this with them, and maybe you can add something to this, Quran. Um, and it was regarding like, okay, what. Uh, you know, I've been listening to uh, prior to this. I was listening to a lot of UK grime, and uh, there's a, a lot of standout artists. And I said to Ahmed, I said, you know what? UK grime is the only scene that I see that's very similar to this scene. I love it. And and the reason I said that is because I just hear these guys. These guys are hungry. They're just so hungry, and their and their production is, you know, they're creative. They're just doing something different. And they're just, you know, at the same time, it's those same things, you know, like uh, the rapping styles, the bravado, the gangsters, all that stuff. It's on there. And um, Ahmed, you want to add to it? Um, and then we'll move on to Quran as well, because you are also familiar with UK grime scene as well. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, a lot of these guys are not from a privileged background, so it's very real. It's not made up. You know, it's very genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I have to agree. It mirrors the, you know, even the birth of hip hop. It's kind of like grime is a child of hip hop, but um, they're mm-hmm. doing it in their own in their own way, in their own style. Yeah, for me, grime is is it is it is one of the 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 rap. I would say it's one of the most important sort of additions to. I don't know. It's very interesting. So it's not very much considered specifically hardcore. It's not like rap music and they don't, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of an offshoot of like kind of the toasting, like kind of the jungle dance hall toasting, but then they, right. and, and you kind of sort of involve the rap as, as, as a heavier deal. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of a weird development, like how it kind of came to be. is very interesting. Um, but I love it. It's one of my favorite genres. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Dizzy. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of, of Skepta. I, I mean, to me, Skepta is one of the great. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, even guys who are not quite grime, like I'm a huge fan of the streets. And now, right. Now he kind of raps as this sort of, you know, he has this kind of cockney accent, even though it's not like his true accent, which is very interesting to me. So he's almost kind of like this weird, I don't know what to quote the streets, but I do enjoy what he does. And he's kind of has this sort mm-hmm. of, outside looking in sort of view of, you know, as far as how he sees it. Um, yeah. But he's looking at somebody's conversation or their life from outside of a kind of a snow globe. And he's mm-hmm. making this sort of analysis of what he sees is going on. This is very interesting. Um, right. Like ghetto, like gets Jamie. I mean, these, these are guys that is my, in my opinion, uh, they're just as legendary and what they do is Rakim and and Kane and Nas are in what they do. Mm-hmm. I'd almost argue that what they do should be kind of folded into the greater um, institution of rap music right. because that is more or less what they do. I think the only difference is is that they're in London, they're in you know they're in you know they're in England. So um, to me, they should be involved. It is the 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 rapping is bar they are the best technicians right now, except for like a handful of American guys, bar none, like without, without question, like Lil Sims would rap around all most like 95% of our American rappers today. Okay. Ghetto, Stormzy, Rascal, like Wiley, they will wrap circles around most of the American rappers, contemporary American rappers that we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, a huge fan of grime and I, I hope that it kind of makes the fuller transition over into America, quite frankly. I, I'm hoping that more than just Skepta comes over here. Right. All right. Um, so I guess that wraps it up, gentlemen. It was such a pleasure. I really enjoyed this subject matter. Um, I got to uh, go back. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just one of those guys. I like listening to new music. So all this stuff is new to me. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these artists are new to me, and I, I had so much fun doing the research on this. It was such a, such a fun time every day. Just you know, when you get that chance to listen to music, you're like, oh, this is so much fun. I'm, I'm enjoying this. And I even, even when I came home, which I usually don't do, like uh, when I'm doing dishes or anything like that, I put on these guys. I'm like, oh, just want to listen to these guys. So for me, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, Ahmed, any last thoughts? 
no, I just firstly, obviously, thanks to Karen for coming on the show. It was great. A lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'm just happy we kind of put a little shine on these guys. Um, I'm always reminded of Michael Rappaport, who always <laughs> seems to be doing interviews about, damn it, don't you know Kane turned 50 and no one cared? So at least there's three guys that do care. So, uh, yeah, it was really fun doing this, and hopefully we can do more hip-hop stuff in the future. For sure. Uh, yeah, Karan, any last, uh, any last um, thoughts? Uh, just that it was a pleasure to be on with you guys. This was great. Um, this was a lot of fun. And it's very interesting for me to, to hear you guys' you know, perspective, like from where you come from. It's different from you know, what my friends and you know, we're all, we all listen to the same thing kind of at the same time. You know, as it was mm-hmm. coming out. So to like hear you guys is, you know, the, the way you kind of happened upon your fandom from Saudi, you know, to Canada, to England, and then to present day. It's, it's very, it, it is exceedingly in, intriguing to me to the point to where I almost feel like I want to write about it. So, yeah, this is this is great. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, before we do sign off, Karan, um, you do a lot of you do do a lot of writing. You are a writer. You want to, uh, so we're just giving you a little chance to maybe hype your own stuff, and uh, you know uh, where people can reach you at, and um, probably read your writings as well. You want to take the time to do that? Um, I think you can pretty much search me and, and find some some stuff. I'm not. <laughs> it's weird that to, to, to hype myself up. Um, so yeah, just you know, you can at yes like the book on certain on my on the social media. Um, I'm writing a, a a book in the process of writing a book. Um, it was initially about Kenny Dorham, the jazz musician uh, Kenny mm-hmm. Dorham. Um, I think it's going to evolve into like Austin music history, okay, uh, where I live now. So um, it may be still you know. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now, but. Yeah, I can be generally found in the Austin Chronicle newspaper and also uh, the Daily Dot. Those are probably two big things that you'll find me find me on online or wherever. All right. That's a wrap, guys. It was such a pleasure and honor. And hopefully you can do it again. And, uh, you know, stay, stay tuned for our next episode. Appreciate it, guys.